Hi guys, how are you today? My name is Bailey Sarian, and today it's Monday, which means murder, mystery, and makeup. <laughs> I'm way too excited. But if you are new here, um, every Monday I've been doing a murder, mystery, and makeup video where I sit down, I get ready, so it's like a get ready with me, and we talk about a true crime. Today's story is, it's that. And just a little disclaimer before we get started today is like, it's pretty bad and it's pretty gory. Be aware, okay? In the comment section, I kept seeing this name pop up over and over again. Um, so naturally I was like, let me look into this. This lady is intense. Let's get into it. Okay, today we're going to be talking about Catherine Knight. Are you familiar? You probably are because she was a big deal. I think she still is, but not really. Shut up, Bailey, get to the point. Okay, so Catherine Knight lived in Aberdeen, New South Wales, which is north of Sydney, Australia. A little background, she worked in a slaughterhouse in 1971. She then worked on animal carcasses and she would work in the boning room. So she would get all the meat off of the animals and she would cut the marrow off as well. Her coworkers would say like she was really good with a, a knife and she was really good at her job. Based off of reports, it seemed like she also really enjoyed it. Catherine though, she in her personal life had a string of bad relationships. First marriage, while working as a boner in the butcher shop, Catherine met a guy named David. We'll call him David K. David K. His last name's Klett, I think. Klett. David was reported to be a raging alcoholic and prone to fistfights or just fighting. So he would drink and then he would he would fight. It was reported that David would try to beat Catherine, but she could hold her own. So David quickly learned that Catherine actually could throw down. She never backed down and she always would fight back. So if he tried to attack her, she would come at him 10 times harder. In 1974, Catherine convinced David to get married, even though they had problems in the relationship, marriage seemed like a good idea. So they got married and throughout the marriage, they David was obviously drunk because he was an alcoholic, which would cause issues in the relationship, in anyone's relationship really. On their wedding night after lovemaking, David fell asleep and Catherine got really upset. So it, it triggered something in her and some people reported that it had to do with hearing friends and family um, saying, oh, we did it three to four times a night on our wedding night. So she was like comparing her wedding night to what she's heard it's supposed to be like. So when they only did it one time and then David fell asleep, it made Catherine really upset. So she then decided to strangle him because that, I guess that just made sense to her. But he ended up waking up and he fought Catherine off of him. So despite Catherine almost killing David on the first night of their marriage. They ended up staying together for 10 years. Um, in those 10 years, they had two daughters. Also in that 10 years, uh, David ended up leaving one time. So apparently David had snuck out of the house in the middle of the night to try and leave Catherine. And when he left, it sent Catherine into a really deep depression. At one point, Catherine ended up staying in a psychiatric hospital for a couple of months. After she had 
gone to a mechanic who had worked on David's car. She tried to fight him or she threatened to kill him. You see, she was upset with the mechanic because the mechanic had fixed David's car, which helped get David away from Catherine. So she was upset at the mechanic because how dare he help David get away from her. In her mind, it made sense. To us, we're like, girl, no. And once she got out, her and David actually ended up back together again. It didn't last long though, and then they ended up separating. Once Catherine and David had been separated for a while, then Catherine met another David named David Saunders, and they ended up in a relationship. David number two. A few months after meeting, David and Catherine ended up moving in together. So it was, everything was moving very quick, but he also kept his own apartment. So he's kind of living in two places at one time. David did not want to move in with Catherine. He liked having his own place and this pissed Catherine off. To her, it meant that he was living this double life. He obviously had his like a whole nother separate life that he didn't want to combine his life with hers. It, it probably means that he's cheating on her. It made her mad because it meant that he just didn't want to spend time with her. It really set her off and made her just very upset to a degree that you and I probably don't understand because what she did to prove that she was upset is just like, what? In an argument, Catherine took their two month old puppy. She slit the puppy's throat in front of David just to show him what she was capable of. If that's not a red flag, I don't know what is. After some time, I'm sorry for laughing. This isn't funny, but this part's kind of funny. You see her, the, her reasoning behind slitting the puppy's throat was that she was just cranky. Like that was her excuse that she was just cranky. Despite all like that happening, they ended up having a daughter together. And shortly after the daughter was born, there was an altercation, they got into a fight and Catherine stabbed David with a pair of scissors. I'm not really sure what the fight was and if he reported it or not, I guess I could have dug a little bit deeper on that one, but I didn't. That relationship ended. So then Catherine gets into another relationship. Um, his name is John Chillingworth. They actually had a relationship for about three years. Um, there wasn't much abuse going on in this new relationship. They ended up having a, a son together. And it's said that this relationship was really calm and good because most of the time Catherine was cheating on John with another man whose name was John Price. It said that her relationship was good because she was having an affair. And so that's why like there was no reports of her being crazy. So John was 45 at the time. And this would just be the relationship that really pushed her over the edge. When the relationship first started, it was going really well. They would go out um, socially, have some drinks with friends at the local pub. John had two, wait, are these all the same names? John had two children who lived with him. They were a little bit older though, so they weren't young. And the children reported to really like Catherine. They didn't have any issues with her. John worked in the local mines and he made pretty good money and he did really well for himself. But Catherine did suggest to John that they get married, but John actually declined. He was like, no, this is, this isn't a good idea. I don't really wanna get married. And when he declined, that's when 
obviously things, once again, just didn't go so well. <laughs> That's when friends would notice that Catherine started to become very verbally abusive towards him. Um, mentally, she was always in his head. She would also become physically abusive with John as well. So she was just beating the poor guy up. The worst thing about, well, not the, this isn't the worst thing about her, but the thing with Catherine is when she was upset, she would always fight with vengeance. Like she wouldn't just fight with you like a normal person. With Catherine, she would like, she was just cutthroat. Like one thing she had done was John took home a first aid kit from his work and Catherine took video of it showing that the first aid kit was in his possession. And then she sent that to John's boss, which then got him fired because to the company it was seen as him stealing property or whatever. So she did that because she was mad at him that he wouldn't get married to her, but then she ended, she ended up getting him fired. So now John's like, dude, what the fuck? I mean, it turns out the first aid kit was only worth like $20. So it was really upsetting to John and John actually ended up kicking her out of the house that they lived in, which was John's house. So John was, fired from his job and then he kicked Catherine out. They actually were apart for about three months, but somehow Catherine would always weasel her, her way back in with these guys. So Catherine would constantly pressure John to marry her. I don't know what it is with her in marriage. Like she just wanted to be married. John refused and it would just lead to more and more fights. Uh, their friends and their family started to notice it even more. Anytime that there was an altercation though with, between Catherine and John, John would go tell a friend what was going on. That way he always had a witness or somebody who knew what happened just in case Catherine wanted to flip the script and act like she was the, the victim in the relationship. So at least he was kind of smart in that sense. Like he was, trying to let people know like, this is what happened. If you hear something else, then it's a lie. So eventually John ended up calling the police because he wanted Catherine out of the house. He wanted her gone and she wouldn't leave. So he called the police thinking that, you know, they could pretty much escort Catherine out of the household. He could get rid of her, just remove her from my house. But the police came back saying that he John needed a court order to get her removed from the house. In February of 2000, there was a fight between Catherine and John, which ended with a chest wound. So Catherine tried to stab John and she ended up going to police and reported that he was being violent towards her and it was in self-defense. She then took a restraining order out against him, but these restraining orders, no matter like who got one, they would always end up back together. I think John knew that something was, was going to happen because he ended up telling coworkers he ever goes missing or something happens to him, that it was Catherine. Catherine would kill him. So he was telling coworkers this um, and really just like being open about it. He also sat down his boss and told his boss everything that was going on as well. And the same thing, if anything had happened to him, that it was Catherine. The bitch is crazy. So John ends up going to the courts because he wants to get Catherine removed from the house and also a restraining order against her. Um, so he goes to the courts, he tells them everything that's going on and he left there with a restraining order, which would limit contact from Catherine. But of course they went ignored by Catherine. Like she didn't give two shits. 
So a little while later, John comes home from work and he has like a whole routine where he goes to the neighbors, he says hello, checks in with everybody, and then he ends up falling asleep. We're going to bed at 11 p.m. Catherine came home shortly after that. She made herself dinner, she watched some TV, she took a shower, and then she went up to bed and she woke John up. They had sexual relations and then they went back to bed. Well, John went back to bed. Catherine kept a butcher's knife in her bedstand next to the bed in one of the drawers. Suspish. And then this is when everything just goes bad. And I don't know what exactly triggered this. Something was triggered. So Catherine opens up her nightstand. She she takes out her butcher knife and then she proceeds to stab John 37 times. And according to blood evidence, it seemed that John definitely like tried to fight back and he tried to make a run for it, but eventually he passed away. After killing John, she then took a bunch of pills, laid down, and I think she tried to kill herself or she was just putting on like a show for police. We don't really know. The next day, um, John's coworkers, you know, took his word for it. He didn't show up for work that day. They were like, John said, if he doesn't come up to, like if he doesn't come to work to call the police because Catherine killed him. So John doesn't show up for work and his coworkers being great people, call the police. Police go to the house. They're gonna go do a check, see what's going on. Now police knock at the door. They're not getting an answer. They see that John's truck is there. So, you know, obviously he's home. They knock, nobody's answering. So then they look through the little peephole not the people, where they put the mail, the mail slot, yes. They look through the mail slot just to see if they can see anything. The police reported that all he could see was a big curtain hanging and it was blocking his view. So after no response, the police go inside of the home and they proceed inside. So they're walking towards this big curtain. The other police officer thought it was a big blanket that was kind of covering the way. They could automatically see when they walked in, there's just blood everywhere. Right, so they know something went down in here, okay? They're walking towards this curtain. The police pushes the curtain aside so they proceed into the room. So he uses his left arm to push it aside. The police looks down and realizes his, his whole arm is covered in blood. So he looks at this curtain that he just pushed aside. He looks at the curtain. He realizes it's not a curtain. This is serious. He looks and he realizes it's not a curtain. Nay, nay. It's skin, skin hanging from the door frame. Just skin. Then he looks down on the ground and sees a torso on the ground. No head. Side note, I know a police officer is supposed to be, you know, brave and strong, but any of us would have ran out of there so quick screaming, hell no. That's like something you would just see in a movie, not real life, uh-uh. So the officer keeps walking and sees that there's blood all over the walls, just splattered everywhere. Floor was covered in blood. Then the officers walk into the kitchen and they see plates of food being prepared, like there was vegetables, there was meat cooked. They searched the house, they went upstairs into the hallway and then they heard someone snoring. Bitch, run, you know? but they didn't. Catherine was on the bed sleeping. Police officers tried to wake her up, but she wasn't responding. They then picked her up, carried her outside and put her on the back lawn. So police go back into the home and then that's when they start to just see more. 
that they didn't want to see. So they realized that the skin was hanging from butcher's hooks on the door frame, just skin. John's head, because his torso was on the ground and there was no head. They found his head and it was cooking in a stew in the kitchen. So it was on the stove. John's head was on the stove. Forensic investigators show up to the house and instantly they notice a sweet smell, but it's like a, that sweet, it's like that sweet smell as if it's a body, I guess. Anyway, so they walk into the house and instantly they notice the flesh, the skin hanging from the, the meat hooks in the doorway. So forensic investigators determined that based off of the blood spatters, again, blood spatters tell a lot more than I thought. Based off the blood spatters, they could tell that, okay, John was on the bed, right? Catherine stabbed him a shit ton of times. John then tried to get up, make a run for it. So he gets up off of the bed and there's blood on the light switch. So they were like, okay, so he must've been like reaching for the light switch. They then notice like down the hallway that there's blood swipes down the hallway. So they see, okay, so he's trying to run down the hallway. As it proceeded downwards, they noticed that the blood spatters were getting lower and lower. So John was like slowly falling downwards, probably because he's getting weaker and weaker. Then they noticed that the front door had blood on the screen. So he made it, John made it to the front door, but then they saw on the ground that there was like this dragging motion of blood. So Catherine must've grabbed him and then like dragged him, drug him? No, dragged him back to wherever she was going with it. Um, in the lounge room, that's where the torso was found. And that's where like the biggest pool of blood was. So I guess Catherine just laid him on the ground. That's where she skinned him. And at first I was like, dang, how'd she know how to skin him? Well, back when she was skinning the animals and stuff in the butcher place, that's where she learned her little tricks, I guess. So she skinned John and then she took his skin off and she placed it onto the carpet like next to her. And then they know that the head was still on the body when he was on the ground because that th there was like an outline on the carpet or the floor of where his head was. Forensic investigators assumed, okay, well she then cut his head off and then she carried it to the kitchen because there were blood stains now leading into the kitchen where they assumed she carried his head. It's like hard to believe, honestly. It just sounds like something from a movie, right? Like what? I made the mistake of looking up the, the images. So then in the kitchen is where she cut a big piece of muscle from his back. So like your big back muscle, she cut that into five separate pieces, like five little mini steaks. And then she cooked it in the oven, 350 degrees for about 45 minutes. They saw that she had four plates made and then the dog outside had the fifth piece of meat that she had cut up. So then they also noticed that there were, what's it called, table settings? Table was made because she was gonna have dinner guests over. So there was little name plates and it was all the name plates of their children. So Catherine was planning on, I guess, having people over and feeding them their own father. Did she think that people were gonna come over and not notice like the blood everywhere? That's a crazy, I don't wanna know. So police um, investigators obviously took all of the items in the house that had blood on it, looked like it had been touched, looked like she had used um, as evidence. So police investigators were saying, cause this is the timeline that they put together. Once she killed John, she then 
took a shower, she changed, she then took John's wallet, and she ran to do some errands. And they know this because at 12 a.m., John's bank card was used to take money out. They're assuming it was Catherine, that she took his card and she took out $1,000. What she planned to do with the money, nobody knows. They ended up never finding the money that she took out. So they assumed that she took out this money and then she buried it somewhere. So she was gonna go back and get the money, but they just, they never found it. So Catherine was immediately detained and she was in a coma, I believe for four days, five days. So they couldn't interview her until she woke up. And of course, when she woke up and she was being interviewed, she had no memory of what happened before. They never do. The whole interview, she just wasn't giving anything away. She does eventually accept the fact that she killed John. She claimed that she killed him due to the long string of abuse that she was receiving from John throughout their relationship. They never get like a clear story from her, like what happened, but she does admit that she killed him. Um, Catherine's brother said that she told him she was going to kill John and get away with it because she was going to act crazy, which is exactly what she proceeded to do. Catherine originally in court pled not guilty. And then midway through the court trial, uh, she ended up changing her plea to guilty, but she didn't give any reason as to why she did that, nothing at all. She just was like, I wanna change it. And she changed it to guilty. The judge was nervous about that because he knew exactly what she was gonna try and do. She was going to appeal the case saying that she pled guilty because she was insane at the time when she pled guilty. So she was just gonna say that she was not in the right mental state to plead guilty. So she she's like, she just knew what she was doing. She's a pretty smart cookie, give her that. Psychiatrists actually ended up doing an evaluation on her and determined that she was definitely in her right mind that she was not mentally unstable like she was saying she was. What kind of test they gave her? I don't know. I think we can all agree that she was mentally ill because who in the right mind would do that, right? But, mm-mm, nay nay, you should not get off lightly for that because that is disturbing. Throughout court, she did not show any type of emotion. She was just like Then out of nowhere, she randomly started acting crazy. Um, she would start screaming at the top of her lungs, rocking back and forth, trying to portray this, not nah, I'm sick, bah, you know, which she's never done this throughout her, her entire life. So people knew that she was just acting. She just wanted to manipulate the situation. And the judge knew that. He was really smart. And there was an interview on YouTube that I watched um, where he was like breaking it all down. And he just knew exactly what she was doing. The judge determined that she would get life in prison without the possibility of parole. And she's the first woman in Australia to get a life sentence with no chance of parole. So good for you, Catherine. No one fully knows what took place that night because Catherine still to this day like has not talked about it. And no one knows like what she did with the money. What did she do when she left the house? What the hell was she doing? Like what? In 2006, Catherine did apply to appeal. She claimed that her life sentence was too severe for her crime. She did obviously rejected this appeal and said, um, no, Catherine, <laughs> no, but judges said like, this is the worst thing we've ever seen. 
in our lives pretty much. Psychologists have examined Catherine, determined that killing and dismembering John was premeditated and an act of revenge. Plus it just got her off on her perverted pleasure. Catherine really enjoyed, she's just a sick, sick lady. In prison, Catherine attends church on a regular basis and she sings in a women's choir. I was reading different articles about Catherine like in jail and they're saying like she's the boss bitch around there pretty much that everybody listens to her. She calls the shots and she, I don't know if she'll ever come clean about what she did that night. And that concludes the story about Catherine Knight. So I think we can all agree that Catherine was not well. And poor John, his life was taken from him because of Catherine. I don't know why she was that way. I don't think any of us will really know why she was that way. So let me know what you think down below. There's really not much you can say other than what the F. I don't know what the takeaway is with this because I felt like John did everything that he was supposed to do. He told his friends, he told his boss, he told his family like what was going on with Catherine. He tried to get the police involved and it's never a smooth process with going to the police and whatnot. And I think that's all I have to say. I hope that you have a great day today. Make good choices, don't go murdering anybody, okay? And don't go eating them. I don't think you should do that. I will see you guys later, bye!